Welcome to Pursuit Church Mornington Podcast with Pastor Brian Carden. The message you're about to hear will help you build your faith in Christ and grow in the knowledge of His will. Let's go right into the message. And I tell you, you are Peter, and this rock will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. In verse 19, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Notice... And look, this isn't my message, but I still need to say this. Binding and loosening happens first where? Where does it first happen? Anybody want to throw it out? On earth. Think about that. Binding and loosing. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. We think of heaven. And I'm not going to get too far into this because there's some depth to this. But just real quick. For everyone, just here's a quick little lesson. There are three heavens. You see this in the Bible. There is paradise where God is, and that's where we will be whenever we, our body goes into the ground or if the rapture happens anytime soon. That's where everyone else is, your loved ones, people that serve God. They're in heaven, the third heaven. Then there is the second heaven, and this is where the spiritual battle is taking place. And this is where you see in Ephesians chapter 6 where it talks about your battle is not a flesh and blood one, but is a spiritual one. And he mentions four different types of demonic powers and things that you are up against. You even see in Daniel chapter 10 where Daniel was praying and mourning because he had a vision and it said that he wasn't eating certain types of food. And during this 21 days of praying and weeping and mourning over what he saw, it said that an angel then appeared to him on the 21st day and said, I tried to get to you as soon as you prayed. I had the word. God gave me the word to bring to you. But I was fighting a spirit. I was fighting in the heavenlies, he said. So think about that. There's a war going on right now. There's a war, a spiritual war. Now, you can't see it. You even see Elijah when he... They were, a, uh, they, had, they were encamped around sol- or chariots and uh, soldiers were around them. And his servant was terrified. He's like, we're going to die. And he said, Lord, open his eyes so he can see what's around them. And it was a chariots of fire. Have everybody read that before? He could see in the spirit. There's a spiritual world. And then you have the first heaven, which that's where Satan is because he is the prince of the air. You see it multiple times within the New Testament, him mentioned as the prince of the air. And that's his domain. And we know in Genesis that that's where he got his domain was from Adam and Eve when they committed treason against God and they gave up our rights and our dominion. And so Satan then became the God of this world. We know that there are two kingdoms, the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. And they both have two kings, or both have each have a king. Ours is God, Jesus, and theirs is Satan. And we know that every person in this world that is not a believer, that is an unbeliever, is under the domain of Satan, whether they like it or not. They are under his domain because he has the earth. It's his. We know that that will change, though. But before it will change officially and eternally, we know as Christians it has changed for us through the blood of Jesus. So as a Christian, as a believer, Satan no longer has dominion over you. Amen? 
This is where the believer has to exercise their identity and authority in Christ. And that's done through the blood of Jesus. Now, why am I saying all this? When you intercede, when you pray, because it is a type of prayer, you literally have to stand in Jesus consistently, constantly, trusting in him, full confidence in him. That's why when it comes to certain types of prayer, you pray them over and over again. Now, the prayer of faith, you just pray that one time, and then you just thank Jesus for what he's done. If it's sickness in your body, if it's for finances, if it's for anything else, you just pray one time, and you stand from that place and say, God, I know. I've already said it in faith. It's going to happen. But intercession is different. Intercession takes a lot more of you being fervent, desire, love. This is where this prayer comes from. It comes from a love of a country. It comes from a love of a nation, a love of a region. That's why the Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 2, when we pray in supplications and prayers, it says to intercede for the nation that you're in. Intercede. Intercession. Pray for your country. Pray for the government. Pray for the high officials. Pray. Come on, say pray. And again, I felt in my spirit from the beginning of this year, and even stronger right now, that we as a church have to pray. Not complain, not grumble, because we saw that with the children of Israel. They didn't get into the promised land because of their complaining and grumbling. That's why they didn't get into the promised land. It wasn't because God wanted them there. No, God left them there because of their reaction to whenever they went into the land of Canaan. They said, wow. There's giants in the land. There's strong fortress and armies. We can't overtake this. And there was two people that said we could, Joshua and Caleb. But because of everybody else, they stayed there for 40 years. Let me help you today. You are not in a wilderness season. You're not. There's no such thing as a wilderness season. No, God does not call you into a wilderness season. They were in the wilderness because of their grumbling and complaining. Now, you may be in a valley moment. You may be going through some hardship. You may be going through some things that just aren't sitting right in your heart. You may be going through great sacrifice today. You may be suffering today a little bit. But you continue to walk and pray and see God. The Bible says with all prayer and supplication. Come on, say supplication. Supplication. You know what supplication means? It means to entreat of God, beg of God. Literally to entreat of him, to beg of him, supplication. We have to get in our place where we have intimacy and fellowship with God. I've heard it said this way, and I think it's funny, but it's true. We cannot be like Jimmy and say, give me, give me. We can't be that way. This isn't a transaction between us and God. It doesn't work that way. Like, God, if I do this, if I say this amount of prayers, if I do the right things, then you'll do something for me. That's not the God we serve. God has already done everything you can possibly want and desire. Do you know that? Prayer does not change God. Prayer changes you to get where he is at. It don't change God. We get people sometimes 
warring, spiritual warfare, praying, standing in the gap where you don't have to stand in the gap anymore. Guess who's in the gap for you? Jesus is. Now, when we read the Old Testament, there's some things that we don't live by and do anymore. We see that there is a part where they, there was a hedge made up and they stood in the gap. Guess what? You know who's standing there now? Jesus Christ. He's our high priest. He's our advocate. He's our mediator. He's interceding on behalf of you today. The Holy Spirit is even interceding on behalf of you today. And then guess who else is interceding? Fellow believers, the body. That is a threefold defense against the enemy. It's powerful. The reality is this. The church in this day and age has to pray. Paul said it to Timothy in 2 Timothy 1 or 1 Timothy 1, 1 Timothy chapter 2. He was encouraging him and telling him, you're going to have to pray. You're going to have to intercede on behalf of the believers, on behalf of the nation. And so that's why we're taking this whole month of intercession, of praying. This is why I'm calling on the church, on you, to pray with me, to intercede. You may need to fast a little bit. You say, what is fasting? Fasting means getting yourself to a place where he's at. Sometimes we see fasts, and I've heard people do this. I fasted 40 days. I fasted 20 days, and they use it as a place of pride. The reality is you're not supposed to tell anybody what you're doing. Keep it quiet. Keep it to yourself. If God called you to fast that long, do it. Now, I don't necessarily know if he'll do that. He may. He's never told me to do that. At most, you know, it's only been 21 days. But what am I saying here? When we fast and pray, it gets it to a place where we're conscious of God, where we're conscious of the spirit of God, where we're spirit conscious and not so carnally conscious or flesh conscious. As believers and Christians, we can't be living in the flesh to where it's dominating the spirit. The Bible tells us exactly what to do to subject our flesh to the spirit. Put them under. Put them under the spirit. Walk in the spirit so you don't fulfill the desires or the lusts of the flesh. Today, you may be walking in the lusts of the flesh. That's why you still are walking in sin That's why you're still not honoring God with your life. That's why you're still coming back to that place of habitual sin. I'm not talking about messing up, missing the mark, because that's what sin is. But if it's become habitual to where you can't get free of it, then I would say that you're probably not walking in the Spirit. And the way you walk in the Spirit is you feed it. Just like how you feed your natural man, how you feed your flesh, you got to feed your spirit. And this is best done in the presence of God through prayer. Through prayer. Come on, say prayer. We have to be a church and a house of prayer before anything. Before anything. If our church is known because we have good music, if our church is known just because we have love, and look, that's good. Love's good. If our church is just known because we got a cool building, got a great children's church, and as we continue to grow, we're going to have great ministries and things. If that's what we're known for, or we got a powerful preacher. If that's what we're known for, count me out. I want to be known 
for prayer. I want to be known for our love towards one another. I want to be known for our love for people out there. The Bible says love your enemies. I'm getting tired of a church that is being critical and criticizing every single thing because they feel like they have a right because they are better. It's not a right attitude. It's not a right spirit. Read Matthew chapter 5. Take some time. That will break a lot of attitude and pride within your own heart. Actually, go there. I'm going to be obedient. Matthew 5. I'll receive the giving of the church in a second. Verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted. What? I'm going to be persecuted for righteousness' sake. You're going to be persecuted. you know that? And guess what that means? You're blessed. I'm blessed when people persecute me. What does it continue to say? Blessed are those, or blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil things against you falsely on my account. Another translation says, blessed are when people lie, mock about you, You know what that word blessed means? Happy, to be envied, spiritually prosperous with life, joy, and satisfaction in God's favor and salvation regardless of your outward condition. Look at that. Oh, you have it up there. Amplified. There you go. Regardless of your outward condition. Regardless. Regardless of what they're doing to me on the job. Regardless of what my partner is speaking to me and treating me. Regardless, regardless of how I'm feeling because of the pressure going on, regardless of the outside condition, I'm going to stand my ground in Christ Jesus because he is my firm foundation. Literally, listen to this. It is time for you to stand again. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13. Ephesians 6. Ephesians 6, verse 10, finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Who are you strong in? The Lord. Your strength doesn't come from your intellect. Your strength doesn't come from how smart you are, how good you look, how great you're doing. It comes only from the Lord. And when it's not found in the Lord, you will be dominated. You will be in defeat. You will yield to the enemy. You will. Your strength comes only from the Lord. Be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. That word might means his power. What do you think that means, his power? That power is in you. It's in you. His power is in you. The Holy Spirit, that's his power. It's in you. Today, we are invited to come into this place with God in verse 11. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to what? Stand against 
the schemes of the devil, the wiles of the devil. Satan is a thief, a liar, a manipulator, a deceiver. He has dominion on the earth. But guess what? You as a Christian, as a believer, can stand in your identity and in your right that's been given to you through Jesus Christ today. You're going to have to stand. I feel in my spirit even last night when I was praying that there are many people here today that are not living to the very best that God has called you to live to because you are in a mode of defeat. Because the pressures and the things that are going on in your life right now are ruling you and reigning over you and overpowering you. And this is because, and honestly, it's like this. You are mal, you don't have enough coming from the word of God. You are not feeding on the word of God. You are malnutritious. You are deficient. There's a deficiency because you're not relying on the power of God, on the strength of God, on the word of God, on God himself. You're trying to do it still in your own strength. Have you ever noticed that within your personal life, when things get really tough, you turn from God? If that's your response, let me help you today. Let's turn it around. When you're in the worst moment of your life, turn to him. Don't turn away. The enemy wants you to turn away. He wants you to follow after him. But it's time to stand again. Put on the whole armor of God. I'm not going to go through the whole armor. You can take some time and read that. But verse 12 says this, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, according or against the spiritual forces of evil, again, in the heavenly places. There's a war going on in heaven. Not where God is. In the second heaven, there's a war going on. And when you pray, when you intercede, guess what? There are angels being dispatched for you. Hebrews 1.14, let's read it. Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? Who's inherited salvation? Come on. Yeah, you're a believer. You have inherited salvation. There are ministering spirits, angels sent out to serve you. They're serving you. They're serving for you. Guys, you're not alone. I mean, his angels are serving for you. The Bible says, therefore, take up the armor of God so that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Notice this. We're going to wrestle. You are going to wrestle. In Texas, we say wrestle. You're going to wrestle. If you think you're not going to wrestle as a Christian, you will wrestle. But our wrestling is not in the natural. It's not done in the flesh. If you continue to read, it talks about putting the whole armor of God so that you can withstand in the evil day. You can stand. Come on, say stand. You may not feel like standing right now, and you may feel like you're not standing. Why is that? Why are you being defeated? Why are you submitting to the things of this world, submitting 
to the kingdom of this world, to the kingdom of darkness? Why are you not doing what his word says to stand? And how do I do this as a Christian? How do I stand by receiving his word as fully truth? It's truth. By living according to his word and not what I feel. Not what I feel. The Bible says that mountains melt like wax in the presence of God. In the presence of God. The Bible says that there is a fullness of joy in his presence. If today you have fear, today you have anxiety, worry, anger, frustration, thoughts of suicide, thoughts of no purpose, whatever it may be, get in his presence. Stand with the whole armor of God. Stand. No one can do it for you. Only you can. I can't do it for you. But let me help you today. Again, there is a threefold defense on your behalf. The Holy Spirit, who's interceding. Jesus, who's interceding. And a church, who's interceding for you. Do you know that when I pray, I mention all your names? Even the new people, seriously. I got all your cards on my desk. And I go through them, and I mention your, mention your name, and I begin to pray over you and prophesy over you and speak over you. Why? Because I understand that I have to intercede on behalf of the body. I have to as a pastor. Two of the greatest things that God has given a pastor or, or someone that shepherds is this. Prayer for the sheep and teaching the sheep. That's my two main goals and priorities. Prayer and teaching. Can I help you today? As I have a job and a role, you do too. You have a role. And I think sometimes we come into a church and think, I just come to receive. I don't have to do anything. I'm just, I'm just here to kind of hang out. No, you have a role in a body when he sets you in a body. Now, how do you know you're set in a body? Because God says, this is where I've called you to be. This is where I purpose you to grow. And when he sets you in a body, you have to obviously yield your life to it. You got to yield your life to the anointing and the authority that's in the house. You say, I don't want to. I understand. I get it. But it's very biblical. And it's also for the care of your soul. Maybe you've never had somebody care for you and hold you accountable for your life. Let me tell you, at this church, we will. And it won't always come easy, and it won't always feel good. But I will tell you this, it will cause growth and health within your life and within the church life, within the life of the church. This church is going somewhere. This church is multiplying. And part of that multiplication is going to happen through prayer. Prayer. Interceding. We got to intercede for this region, for this nation. If a church is silent and doesn't say a word and doesn't pray... The world will go into chaos. You think the world is chaotic right now? If the church didn't do anything, it would be a lot worse. And for those that say, oh, I don't have to do anything because God's sovereign in his will and he, whatever's going to happen will happen, let me help you today. No, God has given man free will, 
And God has given man authority and dominion on the earth. And so we have to take what rightfully is ours has been done through Jesus. The only way God's power and will and his word works in the region, in the world, on the earth today is through his people. Because if it was God's will, hold on, let me help you today. If God is in control, we say that all. God's in control. No, he's not. If God was in control, no one would have cancer. No one would be dying. No one would be in broken fellowship and relationships. No one would experience suicidal thoughts. Because God is love. But there, we have an understanding that there is a king or a demonic power named Satan that is ruling and reigning on this earth. This is why the church has to take their authority through the blood of Jesus and through what they've been given through Christ and pray and stand in faith. This is why we will never be a dead church. We'll never be an idle church. We will never just sit around and not do anything. We won't. Because we have to advance the kingdom of God. And how do we do this? Through preaching and teaching of the word of God. The Bible says that God will build or God will cause the increase. I'm not worried about church growth. All I'm focused on is planting and watering. What are you going to be today? You're going to be a planter and a waterer? That's all I'm focused on. Because the Bible says, unless the Lord builds a house, it's done in vain. Yeah, we can have programs and events and do things to just draw more people. I've been part of that, I've seen that but it never keeps people. I've been part of big churches. I understand. It's easy. Been part of small churches. Size of a church doesn't matter to me. It's about the heart of a church. It's about the vision of a church and where they're going and what they're doing. It's about the work of the church. Are we laboring together with two people, with 10 people, with 50 people, with 1,000 people? What are we going after? What are we doing? I might seem a little strong today. I get it. Honestly, this is just my conviction and my passion for wanting to see you and me following the will and the purpose that God has set, us, set before us. And I know it's going to take prayer. It's going to take intimacy. It's going to take fellowship. You think about your kids. You know, we want our kids to live good. We want our kids to have great lives. But if you're not praying for them, it's going to be challenging. You're going to have to pray. I know some of the people within this church that have interceded for their kids for years, and now some of them are completely sold out to Jesus. Come on. You can give them praise for that. It's all right. You say, well, mine's not yet. I understand. Keep on praying. Keep on interceding. Keep on trusting God. It's going to happen. Keep on. See, but on top of praying, we got to teach. You got to teach them. You got to teach them how to be a woman of God. You got to teach them how to be a man of God. You can say, well, I don't want to be too invasive on them. The world is. I'm tired of that excuse. The world will indoctrinate your kids to believe a certain way. Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? It is love. That is love. Because when they do, the seed will not depart from them. Train up a child in the way they should go, they will not depart from it. You don't train them up in the way they should go, they'll depart from it. I've seen it happen. 
My parents dragged me to church. Thank God they did. Thank God they did. But you know, can I help you today? The way they did it, they showed me how to have a relationship and intimacy with Father in my home, at home. It wasn't about just going to church. I experienced God because church wasn't just something that we went to. Church was who we are. My parents taught me that. I had church at home, if I could say it that way. We were in the presence of God at home, literally. I remember on Tuesday nights praying and seeking God. You've heard me say this, my testimony. They created a space for us to see God and experience God at home. My parents were praying, seeking God, reading the Bible. And you say, well, I didn't experience that. That's fine, but you can be an example to your children today. You may not have kids yet. Maybe you'll never have kids. You can still be an example to whoever it is at your home. It might be just you. That's fine. Set a precedence within your home then. Your kids may be old already, and there must be, they may be gone already. Continue to pray for them. Don't allow that, you know, you missed out. That's a lie of the enemy. He'll make you feel that way. He'll guilt you and shame you and think you missed out on your children. Continue to stand for them. Continue to stand for them. If you have guilt and shame because you missed out on how you trained your children, let me help you today. That's a lie of the enemy, and if you continue to believe that, it will continue to bring pressure and overwhelm you, and it just it won't do any good for you. That's not the truth. Continue to preach the seed into them. Give them the seed. Give them the gospel. Love on them. Because I think sometimes we, we hear things like this, like I'm preaching, you think it has to be done in anger. It doesn't. You know, we think about preaching the truth has to be done a certain way where it has to be arrogant and prideful, and no, it doesn't. We can do it in love. Why do we think that when it comes to truth that we have to overpower what everybody else is doing? We don't have to. We can do it in love. Just because I might come off a little bold and conviction and all the passion doesn't mean that I would go, someone, go tell somebody, you're going to hell. No. That's, the Bible says to be slow to speak, slow to anger, quick to listen. This is why it's better to listen to people that are going through a lot and not just say anything. Have you noticed that when you want to minister to somebody, you're ready to give them the right answer right away? Sometimes you just need to shh and listen. Let them give you all the problems. Who cares? You tell me you're not strong enough in the Lord to where you can hear people's issues? If that's the case, you need to get in the presence of God then because guess what? What good is light if it's not around darkness? Everyone just wants to hang out with Christians. You didn't see Jesus do that. You didn't see the apostles do that. You come to church to grow and to be equipped to go do the work. It's okay to hang out with Christians and brothers and sisters in Christ. Definitely. Have fellowship, have community. All the way, do it. But if that becomes the purpose and the idea of what church is, again, count me out. If I'm not getting people born again and witnessing and sharing the love of God every single day throughout the week, then what's going on within my heart? What's the purpose of me being a Christian? It's about just getting a good house, a good car, and a godly family, and that's everything, and going to a good church and get a little bit of word. Is that really what we're going to amount being a Christian is? Or is that what we're going to amount to what being a man and woman of God is? No, it's not. It's not. And this is why people outside of the church and unbelievers don't want to be a part of it. Because they're seeing people that are not truly given into it. 
I've met many friends that I had that do not serve God today because their parents didn't live it out at home. They did at church, though. Man, some of their parents were the ones that were shouting and praising God the loudest. But when it came home, they acted just like everybody else. And because of that, they don't serve God. The way you live speaks louder than you think it does. Husband, love your wife because your children are watching. Wives, love your husband because they're watching. Pray at home. Don't just pray at church. Worship at home. Don't just worship at church. Don't just try to say it's my alone time with God. No, it has to be bring the whole family into it. Bring the whole family into it. And I understand not every home life is the same. I get that. Pray. God will make room. When it comes to intercession, notice this. This is really important. When it comes to binding and loosing, you are going to have to bind the hand of the enemy off things. What does that look like? In the name of Jesus, Satan, loose your hold right now. That's how you pray. In the name of Jesus, Satan, loose your hand right now. You have no power. You have no authority. You're going to have to speak. You're going to have to stand. Again, the Bible says this. Stand, therefore. Stand. I mean, you look at Ephesians 6. There's so, in just verse 13, you see withstand and stand. In verse 14, it starts off with stand. I mean, guys, we're talking about three stands right here. It didn't say sit back. It didn't say get scared. It didn't say live in fear. It didn't say wait. It said stand. And how do we stand? You ready? Verse 18. Praying at all times in the spirit. There's one type of prayer. How do I pray in the spirit? Tongues. Today you can get filled in the Holy Ghost and speaking in tongues. I'll pray over you and you'll, you'll, feel it. You'll, you'll get it filled right now. That's the first type. Second type, with all prayer and supplication. That's another type of prayer. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for what? All the saints. Praying in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. With all prayer. Do you pray today? Is it a prayer that says, God, I need you? God, I need this or I want that. Or is it God? I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll serve you. God, I'll pray over my mom. I'll pray over my dad. I'll pray over my child. I prayed over my marriage. I pray over my job. God, I pray over my region that you've called me in. I pray over my church. I pray over my pastors. I pray over the city. That's how we're supposed to pray. Because it's easy to do the latter. I just talk about everybody. I talk about the issues. I talk about how bad my marriage is. I talk about how bad my husband is. I talk about how crazy my wife is. I talk about how bad uh, the place I live in, how terrible my home is, how uh, terrible my job is. My boss, he's crazy. He's controlling. And I'm just talking and talking. Children of Israel, grumbling and complaining. You'll never get anywhere. But I got a right to talk this way because you don't know what they did to me. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after the things of God. Blessed are those 
that revile against you and persecute you. And see, a lot of times we think the persecution that we may get from our spouse, let me help you today, because sometimes we try to put scriptures to people that we uh, have encounters with. That's not what he's talking about. He's not talking about your spouse. <laughs> now, there might be times where your spouse does get like that. I will just say that because I know some people are in relationships that way, and I get that. But you're going to have to pray for me the way. How does a nation change? Through prayer. Through prayer. Do you know me getting on a microphone in the middle of Melbourne and shouting, give your heart to Jesus, this town is going to hell in a handbasket, repent, turn out, will not turn and change anything within the government. But if I get on my knees and on my face and pray for those that are in authority and seek God and pray over their life, think about what, dro- what drives that type of prayer. Love. The Bible says love your enemies. You say, well, that's soft. That's never going to make a dent. That's never going to do anything. You obviously haven't been around long enough. Paul's speaking to Timothy in a time of great persecution. And you know what he told him to do? Pray for him. Intercede for him. He didn't say, grab your swords and go fight. Now, there may be times when you have to do that where the Spirit of the Lord says it. And you see it. There's a reason why nations are the way they are today, because the people rose up. Because God ordained it. But let me help you today. If the motive of you wanting to see things change is because you just don't like it and you're tired of it and it doesn't fit in your narrative, change the attitude and come to God in humility and in love and pray. Pray for those that are in authority. Why do I pray over those that are in authority? You ready to see this? <laughs> so that we may lead a peaceable or peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. Think about that. A quiet and peaceable and undisturbed life in all godliness and reverence and seriousness in every way. It says right here, you know, we could get a group of us and say, let's go, let's go fight. But there's a better way. Let's go pray. Let's go pray. Just because we pray doesn't mean that we're agreeing with everything. There's a lot of things that are happening right now that I don't agree with. And I'm not going to use my words at the moment for that. I mean, literally, we have our convictions according to the Word of God. And anything that goes contrary to the Word of God, we don't agree with. And there will come a time where you'll have to stand for what you believe in. There will. We know that. And you'll have to make a decision what you're going to do. But let me help you today. Our first response, your first response should be this. Thank you for listening to today. 
If you are wanting more of these timely messages and teachings, go to our website at Pursuit Church Mornington to find all the other ways you can access Pursuit Church ministry and messages.